Hey everyone, welcome back to the iHeart Podcast. My name is Jonathan North, and today we're trying something a little new. I've always been a little hesitant about ranking things, making top 10 lists, etc. I'm frequently fickle about my feelings towards a film. Sometimes I'll completely change my mind about a movie within the span of a week. Like when I went to see Jurassic World, I left the theater saying it was my favorite film of the entire franchise. Only to realize later that no, no it was not. Other times it just depends on my mood. Sometimes I really love the idea of watching a movie and that pushes it up the ranks and other times I don't really feel it and it pushes it down. However, since I did a video with Soul for her YouTube channel ranking the entire Pixar canon, I've found I actually kind of like making these lists. Yeah, they're still very fluid and incredibly subject to how I'm feeling in the moment, but it's still a lot of fun to make them and talk about them with friends. Especially when you have a clear winner, or even when you have several clear winners and it's super hard to choose. A few episodes ago, Sol and I ranked all the animated films we saw in 2018, and I thought it would be fun to do that again, but with every film. However, that is a very tall order for some people. A lot of my movie reviewing friends see, like, maybe a hundred or more movies a year, and that can be on the conservative side for the more dedicated film reviewers. So I figured, why not do a top 10 list instead and just talk about the best movies of 2018? And I also figured I'd bring in someone who is pretty guaranteed to have seen different films than I, because my online movie reviewing career is basically a glorified hobby. I'm just watching a few movies here and there, making sure to mostly only see ones that I think are a pretty sure bet I'll like. The people who do this all the time see way more movies than I ever will. So I asked my friend Rachel Wagner to join me. Rachel probably sees the most movies of anyone I know. Reviewing films is more than just a hobby for her. She actually recently joined Rotten Tomatoes as an official film critic, so you know she's dedicated to seeing as wide a variety of films as possible. With that in mind, I thought she'd be the perfect person to do a top 10 list with, because even though I knew we'd have a few similarities, like we both write for the Rotoscopers, so we both love animation and Disney, I figured she'd probably seen enough completely different movies than I did that we'd have pretty different lists. Also, to keep things interesting, I thought it might be fun to start out with a bottom 5, or a worst of 2018 list. Normally I like to keep things positive, but sometimes it's still fun to talk about the worst movies you've seen, like the previous episode. I mean, it's regrettable that we had to sit through these movies, we might as well at least get some entertaining content out of the experience, right? Anyway, we had a lot of fun talking about our list, and we're excited to share them with you all. Okay, so thanks for coming back again. Hi. I wanted to do like a top 10, but I was trying to think of a way to make it more interesting. So I thought let's do a top 10, but also include like the bottom five, the worst of the movies we saw last year. And then talk about some honorable mentions because I had more than top 10 that I wanted, that I really liked. So I thought maybe this would be a way to mention a few of those. Sounds fun. Let's start with the bottom five. What is your fifth to worst of on your list? My fifth to worst <laughs> is Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I really disliked this movie. I thought it was so overwhelming, so muddled, so jam-packed with a million stories. People I didn't really care about, the people I did care about from the first movie, I felt like they kind of did really strange things, particularly Queenie and Jacob. I didn't like the big reveal I thought was very groan inducing. I didn't feel like it worked when I really thought about it with Canon. I just thought it was, it was a very stressful experience just to be like, I felt sort of assaulted by it. I just hated it. It was not for me. No, I, I didn't ever get a chance to see that one. So I guess you might it, like it because it has, has some cool creature designs, but yeah, that's I, the main reason I wanted to see it. Cause it I greatly disliked it. <laughs> so. Well, my, my fifth worst, and this is not true for all of my bottom five, 
But this isn't a movie that I necessarily hated because I don't see nearly as many movies as you do. So my bottom five are not all movies that I hate. Like Uh my worst movie is one that I hated. Uh But the fifth and fourth to worst are more that I was disappointed by them rather than outright hating them. So Uh my fifth to worst is The Cloverfield Paradox. Mm, I which, never saw that. I heard it was wasn't great. So, like I, I liked the first Cloverfield movie, and I really liked Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, it was so good. I was, I was expecting this to be more in that vein, and it was the concept they had was interesting, but there were so many things that when I started thinking about them, it just kind of fell apart. It's like, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then I find out that a lot of this was a movie that had been filmed beforehand, and then they just retroactively filmed yeah. to make it fit into the Cloverfield universe. It's like... Uh, Which I think they did for 10 Cloverfield Lane, in fairness, but it was just... They, it, it, was a lot, if it, it was a lot better executed in 10 Cloverfield Lane. This was just kind of a narrative mess. <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't horrid, but it was bad enough that I was disappointed in it. Yeah. I haven't heard anyone who said differently on that one, yeah. honestly. Yeah, I don't think I have either. I don't think I've heard <laughs> of anyone who loved it or even liked it. It was just like, eh, it was fine, or they were disappointed. So what is your fourth to worst? My fourth from the worst is the kissing booth. And you know, I love romantic comedies, but that doesn't mean I give bad ones. A, a pass this one was terrible i it does have some attractive looking people i can give it that but uh it's about this girl who uh starts basically starts dating the uh, older brother of her bff and her bff was the worst he was so selfish he was so whiny and he like kind of played ownership of her in weird ways and was sort of controlling of her. And I didn't like that at all. There's one point where he actually tells his brother, I had her and now you have her. You, you took everything that I have. And I'm like, no, you don't have her. She's a woman. She's not your possession. I sound really like thought. a BFF. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I guess they're fine, the couple, but I felt like the camera really objectified her in weird ways. And she's supposed to be a teenager and the way it was, would kind of leer on her and linger in Mm -hmm. ways made me very uncomfortable. And I just thought it was trash to be honest. Hmm. Yeah. I never saw that one. doesn't sound like (laughs) one I'll be adding to my list anytime soon. (laughs) And I'm so, I heard, found out yesterday they're doing a sequel. So Mm. (laughs) So I don't think I'll watch that. I want to pass. Well, my fourth to the worst, again, this is more disappointment than outright hatred, was Disney's The Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, if you want my full review, you can go over to Soul's channel. We did a full, like, 45-minute breakdown of everything we thought went wrong in this movie. I don't know if it was lazy or what. It just felt off the entire thing. It did not feel fun. It didn't feel like they felt like it had two directors that were both doing their own individual movies at the same time. And then they tried to mash it together Mm. and it had no conflict. Like none. There was a whole long part of the movie where they're just watching people dance. And I'm like, I would rather just go to a documentary about the Nutcracker and watch people dance than like... (laughs) So we both said that the end credits with the ballet, that was our favorite part yeah. of the end credits. And yeah, that was- it was so boring. I just, yeah, Ugh, I agree with you there. It was 
none of my bottom five, but it wasn't far behind. Oh, yeah. So third to the worst. Um, is another rom-com that bombed big time called Destination Wedding. And I was actually very excited for this movie because I the trailer I thought looked really charming. And I was hopeful that Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder would have good chemistry. Uh, but it turned out they had terrible chemistry. The whole movie is them just fighting the entire time, being horrible. I hated their characters. I despised it. I thought it was awful. Mm-hmm. So don't see it. <laughs> Well, my third to the worst. This one is sort of midway through between disappointment and hatred. I don't necessarily hate it, but I was disappointed enough that I disliked it, Uh which was Rampage. Uh I love giant monsters. Like, Uh I thought this movie was going to be amazing. I was so excited for this. And then it felt like a weird, badly produced but also overproduced Disney Channel movie with Disney Channel villains with Disney Channel motives, and uh-huh. but also extremely violent, like more than I've seen in a lot of movies like this. So it felt like a Disney Channel movie made for adults, I guess. Uh-huh. It's just terrible acting, terrible writing. I was disappointed to the point of that I left kind of mad at the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I actually enjoyed this one. I thought this was, uh, you know, people are always getting at me because I don't like the dopey blockbusters like Kong Skull Island, which I really disliked. Um, This one to me, I actually thought the relationship between uh, The Rock and the gorilla was, had some heart to it. I thought that the character design was, the monster design was pretty creative and fun. I thought that there were some pretty cool, like, I guess, kill monster kills that were pretty like creative. I liked there's one where the giant wolf, uh, you, (laughs) he's, you see like his teeth are like right next to the, like kind of the greedy guy. And uh, I thought that like, it's just sort of panned back. And I thought that was a pretty cool, like, Ooh, you know, a little reveal. I, I do agree that the villains were terrible, but it's not that long compared to a lot of these other movies that just bore me out of my mind. I clipped along, I thought, fairly well. I actually, I, I enjoyed it, so there you go. Yeah, it had good moments, and it was creative. Just the story fell apart for me, plus it was, like, way more violent than I expected. Uh-huh. Like, I don't mind violence, but this is, like, it felt too real. Like, there was too much blood, too much... I don't know. There's just something about it that it just didn't sit well with me, and I, I, I was not a fan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I mean, I have it right in the middle of my pack. It's not like a favorite of the year, mm-hmm. but um, I had it right in the middle. I, I would give it a, f- a fresh score on tomatoes. I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. Okay, second to worst. Uh, so my second to worst is the crime movie Gotti, which is kind of veering on so bad it's good, but I can't give it that much credit. Um, pretty much everything in this movie is terrible. The lighting is terrible. The costume design is terrible. The, the wigs are terrible. The script, uh, it, it goes, it's nonlinear. So it all of a sudden, it, without any change in makeup or, uh, or costuming, they'll go from it being a scene in Gotti's like young life to him being like an old man in prison, like, and it's just like bouncing all over the place. His son seems to never age, no matter what's going on. And John Travolta is is okay, I guess, in the role, but uh, 
it's, they try to, to pull off in the end, this idea that like the uh, organized crime and the mafia and the gaudy family are like a persecuted minority. And they're like, there's this whole thing at the end with a, a title card at the end of the screen and credit card where it's like, the FBI hunted down the Gaudi family for, da, 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 for 10 years and, da, da, and they never left them alone and stuff. And I'm like, they were criminals. Of course they did that. Like those people are heroes. They just, <laughs> 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 those FBI people are not the bad guys. <laughs> you nuts. Uh, and I mean, I just saw last week uh, a movie on Lifetime called Victoria Gotti, uh, whatever my life or whatever it was. And that was 20 times better than this feature film. <laughs> mm. uh, better acted, better everything, better. So it was Yeah, I, I never better. saw that one, but I have noticed that it's sort of like a meme in the movie reviewing circles about how bad it is. <laughs> you do. It's kind of, you have to kind of see it just to believe it exists. Mm. Yeah, it was really bad. Well, my second to worst... This one, I don't really know what I was expecting. I went into this. I mainly watched this because, like I said, I like monsters. And uh-huh. I generally, I don't watch R-rated movies, but I thought, well, I'll make an exception for this one because the monsters and creatures in this looked cool. It was not good. I mean, it was interesting, but I guess I should say the title, Annihilation. Oh, yeah. I, it was weird. <laughs> I... I I liked some of the concepts, but it was parts of it were creepy. And one part, like one part, I was like impressed with how terrifying it was. Like I don't get scared of movies, but I kept, this one part just kept me yeah, thinking. The bear. the bear, the bear. Oh my word, was that bear horrifying? But beyond that, uh, most of it was not that memorable. I guess uh, like there were scenes that were memorable, but the whole thing was just it was too weird and like they were trying to, it felt like they were trying to send a message about something, but I didn't really understand what the message was supposed to be. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I would not recommend this movie (laughs) to anybody. No, I agree with you. I didn't care for the film either. It's not in my bottom five, but it's in my lower quadrant of movies i think it is definitely one of the most overrated movies of the year no question uh they they if it had just been a creature movie creature scares movie then i would have been much more fine with it but they just keep it's so self-important it's so convinced it's it's great it just keeps adding like adding adding metaphors and adding metaphors and adding metaphors not like dealing with any of them in an interesting way like what the heck were they trying to say about that marriage or about Natalie Portman, or about Oscar Isaac's character, or, I mean, I guess, and everything in that cave, and I guess that was all supposed to be so meaningful, but I was just bored, and frustrated, and I would have preferred it just be a creepy movie, but instead, they decided to make a self-important, self-indulgent, irritating slog. (laughs) I'm totally with you there. Okay, so what is your worst movie of the year? <laughs> the worst movie that I saw all year, I had to watch in batches in order to get through <laughs> it. It was so grating and awful and irritating, is the movie Duck, Duck, Goose, which was an animated film. 
And some of the animation is is terrible, but then a lot of it is terrible. And that the all the voice acting was terrible. There was this cat that was just the worst. There's something about bad animated films that always seem to have a, a terrible cat. <laughs> um, the, the humor was all terrible. There was all these weird. You could tell they were trying to appeal to a Chinese audience, but there's all these weird scenes that are supposed to be funny with these Chinese people that I didn't, I don't know, they were kind of insulting and I don't know. It was just, it was mm. awful. I remember hearing about that movie and wondering, like, I know it had like a troubled production. Like it didn't seem to be coming out at all. Yeah. And wondering when it was going to be finally showing up. And then once it showed up on Netflix, I never heard a single good thing about it. So I just avoided it. It is awful okay well my worst movie of the year this is another one like i generally don't watch r-rated movies so i don't know why i decided to watch this one actually i kind of do because it was a western and i thought maybe it's just going to be like there was a lot of gunfire and maybe a couple of f-bombs or something which i can uh-huh. live with it was not <laughs> the ballad of buster scruggs on oh. <laughs> This was probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Mostly, not because it was like badly written or badly acted. It was like gorgeously shot. The whole movie looked amazing. The movie had amazing acting. The writing was good. It was just the stuff that it was about was so awful. The, the one story that I was like, totally invested in and i really like this character they ended with her committing suicide i i don't know why i finished the movie i should have just shut it off right there but it was like it was an anthology film so i was hoping that the last story of the movie was going to redeem it somehow and it didn't the Uh whole thing it was just one story after another that was just why did why did you write about this like there was nothing redeeming about really any of them it was just people having a hard life in the West and ending in death or suicide. Uh-huh. I mean, suicide is death, but like murder or suicide, I guess. Uh, I, I don't recommend this movie to anybody. It was horrible. Yeah, I didn't, I thought it was overrated and I didn't care for it and I gave it rotten. I guess I liked it a little more than you, um, but I, I just didn't think it worked in any of the emotions that it was trying to get. I didn't think the ones that were supposed to be funny were funny. I didn't think the ones that were supposed to be sad were really that sad. I didn't think, I don't know, I just, I was very underwhelmed by it. I gave it two, two out of five stars. To me, they were very bland. They were just forgettable. I'm not even going to, I can't even really hardly remember them at all. And I, I just feel like the Coen brothers, like when they were first starting out, their movies to me were so brilliant. I, I mean, movies like Raising Arizona and Oh Brother Where Art Thou and, uh, and Fargo, although that movie is pretty violent. So if you're real uh, sensitive, you might not want to watch that one. But, um, but anyway, uh, they're some of the best movies I've ever seen. Like, they're brilliant. And they weren't satisfied to just have a movie set in North Dakota or South Dakota for Fargo and have it be all, you know, upper Midwestern charm. Uh, they had a good script and a good story where I feel like lately the Coen brothers have been so concerned with paying homage 
two different things like Hail Caesar. It was like old Hollywood and here it's like the Western and you know, there's different ones and, and they're so concerned with that and making it look good and look accurate. And they've got their troop of actors that they kind of forget to make, they forget what made them great. They forget to be really funny if it's a comedy. They forget to be really intense or uh, a you know a good uh, thriller if it's a thriller. And I don't know. I just feel like they're they've made so many bland but pretty looking movies in the last few years. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I know they're very mm-hmm. beloved uh, some of these movies, but I really disliked Hail Caesar more than this to be honest. And I wasn't a great fan of this. So I can understand what you're saying. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if I would give it that much credit. (laughs) I I thought it looked amazing and left me feeling disgusted. I don't recommend this one to anyone. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it either. I guess I didn't hate it as much as you, but I have 157 movies from 2018 that I saw and I had it at 122. I have Rampage, just as a comparison, at 71. Okay. And um, let's see, I didn't see Cloverfield Paradox. What was the other ones you had? Nutcracker and Annihilation. Um, Nutcracker, I have at 140. And Annihilation, I have at 130. So all pretty low. So we're not really that far off, on except for Rampage. Well, you've seen like five times the movies I have, so... <laughs> It'll probably even die somewhat. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. That's that's the worst of the worst. I also had I really disliked Life itself. I really disliked a Wrinkle in Time. I really disliked Robin Hood. I really disliked the new version of Little Women. There's a movie called Little Italy that was awful. I really hated Pacific Rim Uprising. I thought it was terrible. And I really disliked Vice. I know it's gotten all these nominations, but I thought it was political propaganda disguised as humor. I really didn't like it. Um, so there's some other ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to something a little more happier. All right. Before we get to the top ten, let's do some honorable mentions. How many? How many honorable mentions do you have? Well, I I can do my how about my next five. Okay, that's that. what I did. I, I picked out five honorable mentions. Okay, real quick. I'll just go through them quick. Uh, number 15, I have A Star is Born. I really thought they had amazing chemistry, and the music was great, and I think that's the key to making this work, and I just really enjoyed it. Uh, 14, I have Sergeant, St- Sergeant Stubby, an American hero. and This is a brand-new studio, and I thought they just did such a good job balancing uh, the war story that was uh, palatable for kids. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't glossing it, but wasn't traumatizing them either. And it was just so sweet, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, 13, I have Instant Family. This movie just really spoke to me about this uh, couple that is adopting this, or fostering these three siblings and the challenges. And it was, I was bawling by the end of it. Uh, and uh, I just, I thought it was very emotionally true uh, movie. And uh, so 12, I actually have Incredibles 2, which seems low, but I really did enjoy it. Uh, I really liked all of the, uh, the journey that Bob goes on as he figures out kind of how to be a parent and he learns and grows. And I loved the action. It was great. And uh, the comedy really worked. It was just very enjoyable. And then number 11, I have Roma, which was a beautiful slice of life film 
It really felt like you got to know these people and these characters. The cinematography was stunning. And there's particularly a, a plot thread about her pregnancy that was just so raw. And I really felt for her. And so it was a great movie. So that's my 11 to 15. Okay. Well, for my honorable mentions, I also have Sergeant Stubby, which I only watched because of you. Like, I haven't even heard about it except for you championing. Yay. So I like I tracked it down so I could actually watch it, and yeah, it was really good, and I highly recommend it. Yeah. And my yeah. most of my other ones are also animated. I have Teen Titans go to the movies here as well. Mm-hmm. This one, it kind of surprised me with how much I liked it. Yeah. Like. I, th- I thought it would be fine, but I didn't expect to like be like laughing the entire way through. And also the fact that it was a musical and had good songs and the fact that also it kind of had a lot of potty humor and I still liked it a lot, I think s- says something about the film. I don't know what, but like, I don't like <laughs> a lot of potty humor and this one had more than I normally like, but the film that was written around it was just like, halfway to brilliant so i i really enjoyed it it was it's really funny and then i also have hotel transylvania 3 on here which is another one that was kind of a surprise not not a surprise that i actually liked it because i knew i was gonna like it i enjoyed the other two hotel transylvania movies but this one was my favorite of the three and like that doesn't usually happen with sequels like people always say like the first is the best and the sequels go downhill i this is like the opposite three is the best of the film of the franchise i thought it was the the return of the king of a hotel transylvania movie basically yeah (laughs) i thought it was so good i i liked the music and i especially loved the end with the kraken it was just great i I really enjoyed it too and then I know you don't quite agree with this, but I also have Early Man in my runners up here. Yeah. I I love Ardman, and even though I'm not the biggest sports fan, I thought that they did a great job making a movie about a sport that didn't feel like a sports movie. It just felt like a movie that happened to have sport in it. I thought it was great, well written, fun, funny, and I loved the giant dinosaur duck. <laughs> 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 it had a lot of creativity and it was really cool to get to interview Nick Park. That was amazing. But I just thought it was kind of boring and it just didn't interest me in the story and I didn't like the character designs with the big noses. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. So I was disappointed by it. I was hoping it would be better. It's not like awful. It's not one of the worst movies I've seen, but I, I, I was expecting to love it because I love Ardman mm-hmm. um, and it was just kind of dull for me, but that was just for me. So, and then I, I have one other honorable mention that's not animated. This one was one that I saw on Netflix. And I saw this movie because my cousin Sarah sent me a clip that she found online. I don't know where she came across this thing. Mm-hmm. It was from a Chinese movie called Our Shining Days. And this clip was these two groups of music students sort of like having a musical battle. One group was playing traditional Chinese music and the other group was playing classical music. And they were basically making this fusion of music, but it was supposed to be the two sides were battling to see who was the best. And I was like, this movie looks amazing. I need to find this. And then I found out that it had just been released on Netflix. So I I told Sarah about that and she was like, yeah, we could watch that next time you come home. 
and we both enjoyed it. It was kind of ridiculous, kind of over the top. It felt like an anime in live action form. And there was even a few anime sequences in it. But I just thought it was really fun. And I highly recommend this one to anyone who doesn't mind a subtitled movie because there was no there was no dub available. It was I don't think it was one that was even released in the US. I think Netflix just acquired it and put subtitles on it. I loved it. And I thought it was great. So if you I like think they usually dub live action films. I think I they know. usually just subtitle. I, I looked into seeing what like the release schedule, like I think it was released it might have been released in like twenty sixteen in China, I think. And then oh, okay. it was released this year in the U.S. through Netflix. And I don't think it ever got a theatrical release. So if you like the sound of that, look, go on Netflix. It's cool. Totally worth it. I haven't heard of that. That's fun. Okay. Now for like the main event of the podcast, the top yes. 10 movies of 2018. <laughs> starting All right. with number 10. What is your number 10? My number 10 is Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, I'm not the I'm not as wild and crazy about the original Rick Ralph as a lot of other people are. I think it's fine, but it's not a favorite of mine. Um, I just don't really like Sugar Rush that much, and uh, I was very skeptical about this idea of them going online. But it really wowed me. I thought it was really great. I liked the way that uh, Ralph has to learn to accept Vanellope as this new person. I think that's the hardest thing to do as a person is to accept people for kind of who they are, really are, and and love them. Uh, And despite the fact you want them to behave in the way that you wish they would behave. And, you know, friendships can get a little toxic at times, get a little controlling, and, and how he had to kind of learn to just let her be her self and i thought this like i just thought so many sequences were beautiful uh of course the online sequences were beautiful i really liked all the racing scenes in slaughter race it was so fun to all of a sudden have a random alan macon song in there that was great <laughs> i really liked ended up liking the princess scene which i didn't expect to like it because i saw it at d23 and i wasn't thrilled but the way it was executed within the movie it really worked for me. And I was afraid that this movie would be too Shrekian, uh, which I'm not a fan of that kind of humor, um, where it's just like, look at this, this is something, and this is something, and this is something you recognize, ha ha ha. Um, I feel like it can be super lazy, and uh, it's just not my style, not my taste. And But it wasn't. Pretty much almost every single joke in the movie had some part in the plot of the movie, whether it was spammy, whether it was the princesses who actually ended up coming to save them at, at a, a certain point. Um, all, almost every joke actually like worked into the story and that mm-hmm. made it funnier and that made it better. And I just really enjoyed it. So I have it a 10. Okay. Well, my number 10, I have Isle of Dogs. This is a Wes Anderson stop motion animated film. And I this is not like a kids movie. I mean, some kids probably would enjoy it, but it's not really a kids movie. I went into it because I liked his previous stop motion animated film, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Like, I think my cousins and I have watched it several times together because it's just like endlessly quotable and weird and hilarious. And this is kind of more of the same. It's a little darker than Fantastic Mr. Fox, I think. So it's not going to be for everybody, but the story I thought was brilliantly executed because it's about these dogs who have been basically 
evicted from Japan because the ruler of Japan, Mr. Kobayashi, he hates dogs and loves cats. There was like this backstory of like there was a feud between dog lovers and cat lovers. So basically the cat lover got in power and evicted the dogs. So the dogs feel like they've been abandoned by their owners until one little boy shows up. And because this is took place in Japan, all the characters who are Japanese speak in Japanese, but the dogs speak in English. So I feel like this works for especially an American audience because you can totally understand everything the dogs are saying, but you can't understand what the Japanese people are saying. And there are so few English-speaking humans that I feel like it makes it more from the dog's perspective. And I just thought that was a brilliant way to do the movie. And that's not even talking about all the great animation and sequences that were in there. There was some brilliant animation in this. I just, there was so much yeah. to love about this movie. If you're an animation fan, I totally recommend this one. Yeah, it's great. It's in my top 30 of the year. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the backgrounds especially were incredible. I liked all the stuff with the dogs more than I liked the stuff with the students and the humans. <laughs> uh, that wasn't quite as good, I didn't think. And the choice, I think, to make it to not have the... um uh, subtitles uh, required them to have an American to kind of translate things. And I think I like the idea in theory, but I think it didn't actually work in the end. It kind of necessitated a white savior trope in the movie, um, which you wouldn't have had to have if there had just been subtitles. It could have been anybody. But I still really enjoyed it. It was dazzling. And I especially, like I said, loved all the dogs. They were amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number nine. Number nine for me is probably not one for you because it's a little <laughs> bloody. Um, is Anna and the Apocalypse, and this is uh, a really creative independent film uh, that is a mashup between a zombie movie, a musical, and a Christmas movie all in one. And I was really pumped about this movie because I've been hearing about it from my friend Sean Chandler on his channel and in our discourse with each other uh, for a year since he had seen it in, a, in Fantastic Fest in 2017. And we had planned, we did this whole um, podcast on the Hallmarkies podcast all about it and Gremlins. So anyway, I was really hoping I would love it. And it turns out I did love it. I thought it was effervescent, creative, really, really fun. I left with a big smile on my face. Um, I thought that all of the talent was really good. And there was definitely some zombifying that was very surprising. And I did not see it coming. And uh, the whole movie was just very surprising to me. There's one scene in particular that's just delightful, where she is so caught up in kind of her own sort of problems. And she's singing this great song. Uh, and she doesn't even realize that all around her is a zombie apocalypse <laughs> happening. It's really good. And I liked all the fun young cast. It just had a energetic energy to it and uh, that people were making their passion project. You could tell. And I, I just really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I feel like I like the concept, but I'm not a zombie fan. And I'm like the more, blood a movie has the less likely i'm to like it so i don't know it it sounds like both a movie i would like and a movie i would not like so i haven't brought myself to see it did you ever see shot of the dead no i haven't that's another one that i i'm i'm stuck because i feel like on the one hand i would like it but on the other hand 
It's a zombie movie and probably bloody. I mean, for me, it was so over the top that it didn't like bother me. Like, it, there's just like huge spewing of blood. So, like, it's so ridiculous that it it, it mm-hmm. didn't bother me. But you know, everybody's that's different. So yeah. it is very bloody. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Well, speaking of something that's sort of gruesome, my number nine is technically a horror movie and i don't like horror movies but i really liked this movie and i i don't even know if i would have classified it as a horror movie but everybody online insisted that it's a horror movie it's a quiet place i saw it because uh, yeah. i heard the concept and i thought it sounded like a good concept to like there's these creatures that they're blind and they only attack what they hear so everybody has to be quiet and like it's creatures so of course i was already interested <laughs> but the story that they built around this concept was so good you basically you're following one family a husband and wife and their kids as they're just trying to survive in this world that these creatures have invaded and it was just so well done and so brilliant and so tense like i was on the edge of my seat the whole time it was so good and like it's not the the monsters like do attack people but it's mostly off screen there's not a whole lot of blood i don't think there's any gore it's just it's done tastefully i guess tastefully enough that i i really liked it and if you like suspense movies like that's how i would classify it as more of a suspense movie or a thriller than a horror movie i would definitely recommend this one so yeah i really like this movie yeah, I mean, the line between thriller and horror is very murky, so it doesn't really matter. I really enjoyed this as well. This is also in my top 30. And uh, yeah, it's really a touching little movie about a family. And I, I had such a great theater experience. I got so wound up by it. It, did, it created atmosphere so well. So I think it's very oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay, number eight. What is number eight for you? All right. My number eight is called Shoplifters, and this is by the great Japanese director Hiokazu Kurida. Uh, He is a wonderful director who always brings such humanity to his films and to his characters. You can tell he really cares about them. And some of it, some of it, some people won't like his movies because there's not a ton of plot. But um, this one, it's basically about this family. I kind of talked about it as a new take on Oliver's twist, kind of, (laughs) Um, where it's about this family that's sort of created by need. Like they find a little girl who's been beaten and starving. They feed them. She kind of becomes part of their family. And uh, there's a little boy, kind of a similar thing. So they kind of is this collection of people. That's the word I'm looking for, sort of collection. Mm -hmm. And they love each other, but technically they're really not supposed to be a family. And technically they're breaking the law in some of the things they do. And um, it was so moving and the kids are so cute and all the performances are great and you were just really rooting for these people even if they were technically doing something that was wrong they were doing it for all the right reasons and so you were invested in their character and i uh, really loved it it was great hmm. i i don't think i've i mean i've heard the title but i didn't really know what that one was about i might look into that i yeah. all the twist was one of my favorite books as a kid like but, it's not outright Oliver Twist. I just I, feel like yeah, it has I'm, some of those. I like the concept, and I liked Oliver Twist as a kid. And I feel like if it's a similar concept, I might like this as well. 
it is rated R. There is some some nudity. I think maybe a little language. But I really liked it. It was really good. Okay. So, yeah. Well, my number eight is another one that I don't know if it'll be in your top ten, but I know you liked it. Mirai. This was a oh, Japanese yes, okay. film. It was one that basically came to the U.S. just for a couple days. But I was back home and my cousin wanted to see it. So we made a point to get over to the city and get in and watch it while it was still available. Then it ended up being nominated for an Oscar and it's coming back to theaters. So if if you have not seen Mirai, I totally recommend it. This is a movie yeah. about a little boy. He's like four, I think. He's very young. And his parents have a baby sister. So basically, he's learning to get along with his sister. And this sounds like a concept that would be like for little kids, but it's done in such a way that is just brilliant. Like the, the animators studied toddlers so that they would get his movements right. And he was animated he, just like a toddler. It was so good. And then it has this whole, I've heard it described as sort of a Christmas carol vibe. Because basically, spirits from the past, present, and future show up to teach him how he's being a horrible brat and he needs to treat his sister better. Like, his dog becomes a person, which is the, the present spirit. And then he has his sister, Mirai, shows up from the future basically to teach him more lessons and then he travels back in time and meets people from the past like family members from the past and it's all done so well it's just it's so brilliant i've really enjoyed this movie and i highly recommend it yeah it's so good it's my number 19 so i'm very close to the top 15 i i love it it's beautifully animated of course from uh hosada and uh it's just such a it's because usually his films are kind of big uh sci-fi kind of movies and this is just so like intimate just about this really about this little boy and maybe a little bit also about his dad trying to figure things out too um and it's very sweet a good choice okay number seven number seven for me is my favorite script of the year it is a movie called juliet naked which makes it sound more more risque than it is um, it's, uh, it's actually, uh, that that name comes from a rock album that, uh, Ethan Hawke plays this rock star and he, uh, he did two albums and he got kind of dis, uh, discouraged and he didn't do anymore. And so in England, uh, Rose Byrne plays this woman who has started to become frustrated that she decided to not have children with her long, long-standing boyfriend. Um, and, you know, they had all these reasons, and now she's kind of regretting those choices. Um, her boyfriend, played by Chris O'Dowd, is, like, obsessed with this rock musician. And he, and he runs this, like, whole chat group and this whole podcast. <laughs> about about these this musician kind of following what's he doing is he getting you know where's he been and they like literally they analyze every single song for everything every piece of lyric it's based on a book by nick hornby and i love nick hornby's writing and i just think it it handled a lot of ideas very very well about obsession 
about the kind of things that motivate us. They have the scene where the Chris O'Dowd character kind of sticks up for all of us sort of obsessed fans. And I, I was impressed that they were able to pull that off, especially with some of the behavior of that character. And I think it shows really good writing that they were able to do so. And there was such chemistry between everybody involved. And it was just, I just loved it. I thought it was really great. And it's probably the most under underappreciated, I think, movie of the year. Hmm. Yeah, I'd not seen that one, but I'd heard the title and I'd remembered you liking it. Sounds interesting. It doesn't really sound like one that would be like totally on my list to see, which is why I didn't see it. Anyway, okay, seven. My seven is my favorite of the Marvel Cinematic Universe of the year. Um, And I say that because there was Uh other Marvel movies, but this one is like the series. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh-huh. This, oh. I, I, liked, I liked all the Marvel movies this year, but Ant-Man and the Wasp, it just has a vibe that's different. And I enjoy the more humorous movies more than the more serious ones. And the other ones this year were a lot more serious. So while I did enjoy them, uh-huh. just the humor put this one over the top for me. I, I really like the Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man movie. I like all the side characters. I like the hero. And then you have the Wasp joining him this time, Evangeline Lilly, who I loved on Lost. So just having them together just gave the movie a whole different vibe than the first one. But a similar vibe, and it was just really well-written, really funny. I enjoyed them together, and I'm excited to see how they'll be fit into the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward in the future. I just, I really like this one. Yeah, it was a fun time. I enjoyed it. It was my least favorite of the three of the Marvel movies, but not by that much. I still had it in my top. I had it 64 um, because it just felt a little forgettable to me, but I did enjoy it. I, uh, I, I thought that Evangeline Lilly was much better than in the first Ant-Man, which I thought mm-hmm. she was kind of wooden and not great yeah, in that one, but I thought she was actually quite good in this one. So I thought that she did a lot better than I was expecting. And there were some really funny scenes. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, it was a fun little movie. Yeah. My favorite was Black Panther. It's my favorite of the Marvel. Okay. I have it at 43. I think Black Panther might have been my second favorite. They were, they were all good. I liked them all. But like the humor is what yeah. set, set, set this one apart for me. Yeah, I, I can understand that for sure. Okay, number six. Uh, number six for me is Crazy Rich Asians. I think uh, it was basically a perfectly executed romantic comedy. Uh, I think that the characters actually had like really good motivation for their behaviors. Like the mother wasn't just sort of being a jerk. She had she was going off of her life experience, and in her life experience, she had had to sacrifice a lot for the for the family and to be a part of the family. And here's this independent uh, American who as she doesn't think is going to be willing to sacrifice for the family and be, you know, a part of this family. And so her motivations made sense. And I I appreciated that. And I thought it was really funny. And I thought everybody had really good chemistry. I thought the wedding was one of the most epic weddings in the history of movies. Um, And I just really loved it. I thought it was great. Henry Golding is beautiful man. And uh, it was it was just very enjoyable. I thought if you're talking about something that succeeds in doing what it's trying to do, this absolutely did. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah. I actually saw that one. I finally saw one that <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. My number six 
you've already talked about it in your honorable mentions is Incredibles 2. This one, I, I'm kind of surprised it's so low, actually, because it's Pixar. But there was a lot of good movies in 2018, and it yeah. just kind of ended up getting edged down, edged down, edged down. But yeah, Incredibles 2, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great continuation of the first movie. I really liked the powers and ideas for the new characters, and I really liked the direction that they pushed everybody in the film I just, I loved it. I thought it was a really great follow-up to the original, and I may even like it better than the original. Like, especially just some of the set pieces, like Jack-Jack versus the raccoon. That was one of the most brilliant scenes of cinema this year, I say. It was basically a Looney Tunes cartoon. It was so perfectly paced and executed, and the expressions on the face of the raccoon as he's seeing this baby attack him. It was so good. I loved it. It was so good. So if you have somehow not seen Incredibles 2 yet, put it on your list. See this movie. It is so good. Yeah, it's really good. I completely agree with you. Okay. So number five. Okay. My number five now. Yes. So my number five is an indie film called Lean on Pete. And this is directed by the great Andrew Hay, who all of his movies have been wonderful. I haven't disliked any of them. His movies are a little bit of a slow burn, so not everybody will like him. But in this Lean on Pete, it stars Charlie Plummer, who is definitely a young actor to look out for. He has just given great performances in every movie he's been in. And uh, he's wonderful in this. He plays this kid who ends up being kind of orphaned, and he... uh, through various things happen where he ends up kind of saving this racehorse named Pete from getting sent to the glue factory. And, uh, and so he saves this horse and he goes on this journey, like basically across America. He's trying to, trying to find uh, his aunt who's in Florida. He's, I forget where he starts out. Um, And you really get like a picture of America today. And there's some Mm -hmm. scenes that are just absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, Watch this one with a, a box of tissues it's definitely a, and but but I just felt I felt like it was very emotionally earned and very emotionally true and it's a movie that stayed with me I I just kept thinking about it and thinking about particular scenes um, when people showed mercy towards him when people uh, people were kind um, people were mean uh, all the different experiences he had along the way it's just a very beautiful movie I love it so Hmm. I'd heard the title, but I didn't know what it was about. It sounds not exactly the same, but very similar to a movie I saw as a kid. I think it was called Flash. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was a movie about a horse. I think it was like a, not a Disney Channel movie, but like an ABC Disney movie. It was a TV movie. It was about a kid who's, he's living with his grandma because his father is away. I can't remember what his father was doing. He might've been a soldier or something. I don't remember. But his grandma dies and he has to take this horse and like the, he and the horse ride across the country to find his father. This, it sounds a lot similar to that. I don't, huh. I, I, know I don't think I've seen that. I mean, it is rated R. There's for language and some tough, uh, tough scenes for language and brief violence is okay. what they say. It would, kind of be an, it would kind of be interesting to find yeah and then do like a comparison g-rated versus r of horse riding across the country (laughs) 
But yeah, if you want to kind of take a deep dive into a director that is just knocking it out of the park, in my opinion, every single one of his movies, Andrew Hay, he is just brilliant. Yeah. Now I'm really interested, mainly because I remember seeing that. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> huh. And okay. So my number five, another one you've already mentioned, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah. And another one that I was I'm surprised it's 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 kind of in the middle, but I I kind of thought it'd be higher. But I also thought that Incredibles Two was gonna beat this movie for me. I I really liked Ralph Breaks the Internet, and I think I liked it better than the first one. And I liked the first one. Like, I know you didn't really care for the first one, but I did. But this one, it just had so much more, and it was more than just playing around in video games. I thought the way that they went through the Internet was brilliant. I thought the way they incorporated, like, real-life sites was brilliant. It didn't feel like they were shoving it in just as a joke. Like, eBay was in there, but it played a purpose. Like it was a main plot point and didn't feel like something that eBay was like, Hey, we'll give you a million bucks. If you say something good about our site in your movie, it felt like it needed to be there. It felt like a natural part. Yeah, that's of- what I'm saying about the humor. It all felt like it had a purpose. It was all yeah. part of the story. Yeah. And even beyond that, just the characters, I loved Ralph and Vanellope and the progression of their friendship and the message about friendship that it had to say. It was not a message that I expected from a movie like this. It's kind of talking about like how friendships can be toxic if somebody is being too possessive or whatever. It felt mature, but in a way that kind of has a message for kids who might be dealing with something maybe similar I I just thought it was brilliant. I, I really enjoyed it. It's really good. I love it as well. And I don't hate Wreck Ralph. I just think it's middle road Disney and and I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of other people are like it's top ten. It's right up there with the greats and that I just don't I really liked it, but I thought it felt like a DreamWorks film. And I'm not knocking DreamWorks because I do like some of DreamWorks movies. But it just it felt more like something DreamWorks would do. It didn't feel like a Disney movie. Yeah. That doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it, but I don't know. It just didn't feel like it's this felt more Disney than the first one did. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Number four. Um, number four for me is Paddington two. I love the first Paddington so much. And I loved this. I love the character of Paddington. He is so sweet. He is so lovable. It's such a, I love the whole family. Sally Hawkins, Hugh Bonneville. Amazing. I even like all the people on the street, all their neighbors. You had Peter Capaldi, kind of this jerky guy. He was funny. I, and then Hugh Grant as this villain, as this foppish actor was hilarious, was so great uh, in every scene. I just, there were so many brilliant little like set pieces, like when he's trying to be, be a barber, that whole scene was delightful. All the music was great. Uh, when he's making marmalade at the jail, that's so fun. And Brendan Gleeson was just having a great time. I really enjoyed that. Uh, it just makes you feel good. It's a really heartwarming, lovely little movie. Yeah, I never saw this. I remember the first one came out and I saw the trailer and I thought it looked awful. And I was like, I am not watching this stupid movie. There was the bear was in like in the bathroom. There was so much gross humor. Like there was something with the like earwax and the toilet exploding. I thought that movie looked awful. And I was surprised to hear that so many people liked it. And then when Paddington 2 came out, everybody's raving about it. I'm like, 
Well, what, you still haven't seen either of them? No, I haven't seen either of them. The first one <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> Don't judge it just based on the trailer. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, They're so good. I don't know anyone who dislikes them. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I'm thinking because, like, I saw this trailer and it's like, the movies that people are talking about do not sound anything like what I saw in the trailer. It sounds, no. like, completely different than what that trailer was. Yeah. So, Julie Walters is in it. She's lovely. Sally Hawkins. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if you disliked it. There's really very little bathroom humor. That's, that's what I'm so Don't judge wondering. that trailer. I, I, once I started <laughs> hearing about all this stuff, especially after we came out, I was like, well, did they make that trailer just trying to reel in little kids who only yeah, want to Yeah, I think that's what they did. Toilets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see it. So good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe sometime we could do a podcast and talk about both of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you don't like it, and then I don't even want to talk to you again. <laughs> well, the way people have been talking about them, I, I feel like there's hardly any chance that I'm just like them. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm going to try and track them down. Yes, you should. It's a really sweet movies. Okay, my number four. This surprised even me. Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> oh! Love it! I, I loved this movie. I did not expect this. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not a romantic comedy person. Like, I don't have any problem with romantic comedy. They're fine. But I never feel like I love them. They're just uh-huh. an entertaining thing to watch once. This one I bought. I liked it that much. Uh-huh. I went into this mainly because of Constance Wu. I love her on Fresh Off the Boat. She's... She's hilarious. She's such a great character as the mom on that show. And I just, I wanted to see her in something else just because I like her so much. And I loved this movie. Like I I expected to like it, but I didn't expect to love it. And then there were so many people in here that I either recognized or fell in love with like Aquafina. I don't, I don't know if I even knew who she was and I loved her. She was hilarious. She's one of my favorite characters of the movie. And and beyond just liking the characters and liking the actors, the story was so good. It was more than just a romantic comedy. It was like the story of this family and learning to get along with your family and learning to understand your family and learning to understand that you might think somebody's doing one thing for one reason, but they have a totally different and Maybe if it's something bad, maybe they have a justifiable reason for acting in this way. It's it's just it's so much more than you think it will be. And I I highly recommend this movie. It's so good. I can't say enough good things about it. It's it's so good. I I will say if anyone is kind of worried about this, it is PG thirteen. There is some language, but if you can get past that, the story itself, it's so good. Highly recommend it. Yes. I think it is, like I said, I think about a perfect movie for the genre that it's trying to do. And that's, that's, uh, uh, that's hard to do. (laughs) Believe me, I've seen plenty of bad ones. Um, Yes. So very good choice. I'm so excited. That was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. We're into the top three. What is your number three? Big ones. 
Okay, my number three is a little movie that I saw at Sundance last year, um, and it stayed in the top three all year, is called Leave No Trace. And this is by the great director, Deborah Granick, who uh, last time directed Winter's Bone, which was uh, the big sort of coming out movie for Jennifer Lawrence. Um, and she's really great about, uh, about really getting you into a sense of place and it's really feeling like you were there with these characters as making choices. And, and in Leave No Trace, it's about this family, this father and daughter, who the father has severe PTSD from serving in Afghanistan. And he has chosen to live off the grid with his daughter. And so they're kind of, uh, they've developed this sort of, I don't know, tent life in the one of the state parks in Oregon. And they get kind of uncovered. And I've really, really disliked most of these movies about people living off the grid because they tend to make them into heroes for their alternative lifestyle when a lot of times it's actually really destructive and not healthy. And that's not what she does here. And Ben Foster is so great as the dad. And, uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a slice of life. It might be a little slow for some people, but... I just, the, the teen girl, her, the actress is named Thomas McKenzie and she was so great and her sort of, it's sort of about her coming of age to realizing she doesn't have to make the same choices as her dad. She doesn't have to live the same way that he lives and he, and she can still love him and support him, but she doesn't have to make the same choices and, and um, sort of her coming to that realization by the end, I was just cheering for her, rooting for her. I saw it three times in the theater cause I just loved it so much and it's beautiful. You know, the Pacific Northwest never looked prettier. <laughs> um, and I just thought they, she got the tone just right with this. I just really thought it was beautiful movie. Hmm. Yeah. That's another one. I'd heard the title, but I didn't know what it was about. It sounds interesting. Yeah. hundred percent. I ran tomatoes. So, and hmm. it was only, it's only rated PG. So that's pretty oh, rare. Wow. Maybe I'll have to see this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it got PG just because it does have some deeper themes and sometimes they get PG 13 just for drama. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, just for like thematic elements, they sometimes call it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they got a PG, so there you go. Hmm. Yeah, I might have to look into that one. Yeah, it was really good. Very well acted. So. Okay, well, we're getting into my top three, which are all, they're all so completely different that it's kind of hard to pick a favorite. And the my top, my number three for most of the year was my top first movie until it was, surprisingly completely dethroned at the end of the year. <laughs> so my number three is Solo, which oh. one of my now one of my absolute favorite Star Wars movies. I thought it was so good. I was surprised at how good it was because I was expecting, like with the troubled product, production history that this movie had, I was expecting the worst and hoping for the best. And I, I, got, I got the best. <laughs> like, it was so good. And the, the the main thing that was worrying me, I guess, was the fact that there was a different actor playing Han Solo. And I was like, how is this guy going to feel like Han Solo? I think his name is Alden Ehrenreich. Uh-huh. And he, like, he doesn't look anything like Harrison Ford. I was like, how is he going to feel like Han Solo? Somehow, 
within the first 10 minutes, I completely forgot about that. Like it, I did, it didn't even cross my mind through the rest of the movie. It was like, this guy is Han Solo. He somehow, to me at least, I know not everybody feels the same way. To mm-hmm. me at least, he embodied the character so perfectly that I forgot that it wasn't Harrison Ford. It was just, he was Han Solo. It didn't matter that he didn't look exactly like him. He just, he was Han Solo. And the rest of the story, I love the rest of the story. And I know I'm vastly in the minority here. I loved L337. Oh. I, I, I loved her. I thought she was hilarious. I thought she was a great character. I didn't like what happened to her at the end. Uh, it, it felt kind of wrong to me, but it wasn't enough for me to hate the movie. I loved it. I loved Lando Calrissian. I loved all the other side characters. I loved Chewbacca. Just, I loved the movie. It was so much fun. I, I uh-huh. watched this as much as I watched the rest of the Star Wars movies. Uh-huh. It's totally worth, worth making, even though a lot of people said it wasn't. I, I loved it. Cool. Good. I didn't hate it. I thought that I would still probably give it an overall fresh review. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of, I haven't really thought about it hardly since I saw it. Um, or at least like the last Jedi just kind of kept irritating me. <laughs> I kept thinking about it, like, ah, oh, why did they choose that? Um, but uh, so I don't know. It's like, which one? I don't know. But I liked Lando Calrissian. I liked pretty much most of the stuff all the way up through the end of the Castle Run. And then I felt like the movie should have ended there. And then that second kind of that that second kind of ending. Um, didn't really work very well for me. I I didn't really like the big reveal of the NF, what are they called? The NF nests or whatever they were called. I didn't really like that whole thing. Um, and I hated L3. I thought she was awful. I thought she was very grating and very irritating. And I did not believe for a second that someone as cool and, and great as Lando would fall in love with this annoying robot. That was <laughs> ridiculous ridiculous and uh, so that irritated me i also thought some of the things were a little bit lame like why did they like they explained things that i don't really need explaining like i don't need to know how they came up with solo as a last name that that was kind of annoyed yeah it was a mixed bag for me but i would still uh i I think it was i still enjoyed it overall Mm -hmm. um but that's cool i'm glad that you had it as one of your favorites that's very fun so. Yeah, there were things about it that I wasn't crazy about, especially the solo name. But overall, the positives far outweighed the negatives. And I just, I had such a great time. I went to see it twice, and I don't go to see movies more than once usually. Uh-huh. It, it was so good. I, I just really yeah. liked it. Okay. Yes. Number two, the second to best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number two is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That's mine as well. That's my second. No way. Second to best. <laughs> Are we going to have the same two and one? I, I I, I'm mind. wondering if we're going to have the same favorite movie too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so yes, this movie was, I was dazzled by this movie. The oh, animation yeah. was incredible. The story was so sweet and heartfelt and I really liked Miles as a character. I loved all five of the Spider-Verse characters from the Parallel Dimensions. I loved mm-hmm. how they each had their own animation style yet it all merged and flowed together. It was brilliant. I just 
really liked pretty much everything about it. I thought the music was great. I was just so excited after I saw it. Yeah, I totally agree. I loved everything about this movie. It was so good. The music was not something, it's not music that I generally listen to, but I loved it in this movie. It worked so well with the story. The animation was like mind-blowingly brilliant, so much different than any other 3D animated movie that they have been making these days. I really hope this sets off a trend of copycats because like this is something that you need to copy. Like yes. stop making the regular big-eyed plastic-looking 3D characters start branching out with what you can do with the medium. It was so good. The story was brilliant. The 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 plot twists, if you want to call them plot twists, like the thing with the uncle did not see that coming. I love when I get surprised in a movie and this surprised me at every turn with how good things were and how well written things were. It was so good. I loved it. The only reason that it's not my favorite is because something outshone it at the last second. Was the same oh my thing gosh, we're doing the same number one. I, I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> what is your number one? <laughs> my number one favorite is Mary Poppins Returns. Same. That is my favorite yes. movie. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And I can't believe that I did not expect to love this movie so much. It was yeah. so surprising. So good. Me too, because I I haven't been a big fan of most of these live action remakes. This is a sequel, but whatever. It's in that club, I feel like. And I, uh, I went to an early screening, so I hadn't heard any buzz, either negative or positive, and I was just dazzled. I absolutely thought it was mm-hmm. delightful. I absolutely loved Emily Blunt in the role. I thought that it was heartfelt, and I actually think uh, it has a quite different message uh, than the original. The original is all about paying attention to the blessings in your life, and uh, and and not just letting life go by. Whereas in this one, he, he is very aware of his children. He's very aware of everything, you know, in his life, but he is just, life has fallen on hard times. And so to me, the message was about leaning on family, never losing hope and never giving up. I, that was just lovely. And I, I adored it. And I, I actually really loved the music. I loved the choreography. I loved all the costuming and the decisions that they made. I thought all the actors were brilliant. I I was I just absolutely loved it and I saw it three times in theaters. I the only reason I didn't see it more than once is because I saw it like right before it was taken out of the theater. Like that's how long it took me to see it. I I was not expecting to love it. I figured I would like it, but I did not make it a priority and I should have apparently. I loved it. It was it blew me away with how good it was. It the yeah. music, I did not expect it to be such a worthy follow-up to the original. Uh, the music was so good. Like every, it felt like a classic Disney musical from the 60s. It was just, it, it felt like that. And I did not expect it to feel like that because movies just don't feel like that anymore. Even movies that I really like, they just yeah. don't feel like movies from when I was a kid. And this did. It felt yeah. like a movie from when I was a kid, but with today's movie making techniques. Plus the fact that it had a very long 2D animated feature thing in the middle, and it was so good. Like, you you don't see that in Disney movies anymore. They switched over to 3D. And I loved how they did this, and I loved the character designs. I loved the animation. I loved how the live action mingled with the animation. It was just 
everything about this. This is the thing. first movie in so long that I mean, maybe since the first Beauty and the Beast. Like honestly, that that I can think of that really feels like a movie that Walt would have loved. That really feel. I mean, there's been lots of really great movies. But I know this just feels like Main Street Disneyland. And in my review, I said that there's an old quote where he said, they said, described Disney as that he would create the magic. Disney magic is made by optimizing the mundane. And if you think about Disneyland, it's like Main Street USA, the, like the ordinary, but it's made to be charming and idyllic and magical, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt with this. You know, you've got like pretty, and that's the thing that's great about the original Mary Poppins. I mean, it's pretty ordinary stuff, even like going to a bank and, you know, some of these other things like a chimney sweep and, and, uh, and, you know, all this stuff is sort of ordinary, but then they make it magical and that's what makes it great. And I, I, uh, I said that uh, I can't think of any other corporate experience where I would enjoy sitting and taking in the ambiance like I do at Disneyland. What's fascinating is I didn't realize how much I missed this experience in Disney films until I walked out of Mary Poppins Returns. And I said, to say I was swept away in an experience of pure joy would be an understatement. It was true Disney magic, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was so good. I, yeah. I, I can't recommend any movie more this year than I can recommend Mary Poppins Returns. Like yeah. I loved all my movies in my top 10, but to anyone, it literally anyone, I recommend going to see Mary Poppins Returns. Most of my yeah. other movies are kind of like with caveats, like Spider-Man and Spider-Verse, go see it if you like animation and superheroes. Mary Poppins Returns, I feel like, I can't imagine anyone hating this movie. I'm sure there are people who hate this movie, but yeah, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> every movie has haters, but like, Anyone, I recommend literally anyone go see Mary Poppins Returns. It was so, so good. I agree. It was really special. Yeah, I can't believe we had our top two or the same. I know, that's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, this is great. I had a lot of fun doing this. I I think I might want to do this next year if you want to come back and do it again. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, this is fun. I like I like this format. I like starting out with the worst. It's it's kind of fun to talk about the worst movies. But then it is <laughs> ending with the best. It's it's so good. I'm I'm so yeah. glad we had so many similar films in our top two. The same. Yeah, I think we have pretty eclectic lists. I think things so. on my list that they're not really my favorite genres, like horror and romantic comedies. Not really my favorite genres, and I've got one of each in yeah. my top ten. <laughs> Well, and that is one, I know know you don't see as many as I do, but one benefit, I think, in really trying to see as many as you can is that then you stumble upon these little gems. Yeah, that's true. it's it's really a great experience. It makes it worth it for all the sludge and the (laughs) the crimes of Grindelwalds that I've had to sit through is when I find a Leave No Trace or a um, Lean on Pete or whatever it might be. Yeah, I don't don't really have enough time to go and see a lot of movies so that's yeah most of my movies that's why i have i usually have like trouble finding something that'd be like the worst movie because i purposely don't see movies that i think i'm not going to like yeah sometimes that is a bad choice like i purposely did not see paddington which apparently was a mistake (laughs) huge mistake huge error (laughs) Well, we'll we'll have to rectify that. We should do a podcast sometime. That would be fun. I need to find those movies and actually watch them. Don't judge a book by its cover. I shouldn't be judging a movie by its trailer. (laughs) Yeah, it would be interesting. I'm trying to think of 
Well, I mean, I really disliked the reference to the internet trailers and the D23 footage. So I guess that's an example for me, the mm-hmm. one where I ended up liking it, but I didn't like the trailer. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm, this was fun. I'm, I'm glad we did this. Yeah, so, it was really fun. Thanks for joining me. We'll definitely have to do another podcast sometime. Yes. Thanks so much for having me on your channel. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Go see Mary Poppins Returns and Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media and on iTunes and on YouTube. So please check that out. I also have the Homeworkies podcast that's all over the place. And that one's a lot of fun as well. Okay. Well, we will see you another time then. Yeah, great. Thanks so much. Thanks to Rachel for joining me on this episode of the iHeart Podcast. I'll have a link to her channel and podcasts, so if you want more from her, be sure to follow her as well. Next week, I'll have another episode of the Disney Movie Marathon to share with you. Sarah will be joining me once more to talk about the second animated feature from Walt Disney, Pinocchio. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening.